Hello, it's October 1st, 2020, and welcome to the OmniTalk Fast Five, the podcast where we debate the top headlines in the world of retail. Some of what we say might be right, some of what we say might be wrong, but what matters most is the conversation and investing in the dialogue. The OmniTalk Fast Five is sponsored by Fast Sensor and Takeoff. I am your host, Chris Walton, and today I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Ann Mazinga. Well, hello there. And of course, yeah. Emma the intern. Hi, everyone. And it's Emma's birthday. Woo! Good one. You just broke everybody's eardrums listening. I did. I did. But, but it did. is Emma's birthday. So I feel like this is justified. So are these hats that we're wearing. For those of you who are listening and not watching, Chris and I look completely ridiculous. Yeah, but you said you, our hats are side cocked for those that are maybe listening on the yeah. podcast versus watching on the video. Is that right. the correct, the correct right. word? Rainbow, rainbow printed. We are ready for a party, Emma, and a podcast in your honor. Thank you. I appreciate this is, it. This is going to be a blast. This was, I thought this was one of the hardest weeks to pick the top stories of the week of all time. And we'll talk about why in a minute. But first, I've got a bone to pick. Uh, and I was talking, to you, talking with you a little bit about this earlier. Emma, I want to get your thoughts on this too. But I got a bone to pick. What is the deal with all these like holidays this week? There was like Sun's Day this week. And wasn't it like listen to a podcast day? Which by No, way, I thought that's that. what you were going to say. I thought you were under so much pressure getting ready for this podcast because it's a day after International Podcast Day and you really wanted to make it shine. Yeah, I, I, of course, 100%. I feel like we're always late to the party on these days too. Like I never get this note and then I feel like a bad dad because I didn't put pictures of my sons. On, who who on does make up the holidays? Facebook. Like I want to know who, one, who I can submit my holiday to that I'd like to be a holiday and two, like where is all this information coming? Who is the source? I agree. Like, like Reuters? Like is this the, you know, like the presidential polling source they are putting out holidays to? What's going on? Yeah, is there a procedure for this? Like how does it work, right? Like, like I got me thinking like when is redheaded stepchild day. Right. And then like, and then if you do that, like, do you post about it or is that like go against the whole day? Like, you know, Absolutely. how does that work? Absolutely. Yeah, you do. And then you just hope that the person doesn't, doesn't see it somewhere. I don't know. Like that would be so terrible. <laughs> right. That, that is a total mind blow right there. Thinking about that, if that would ever be a day, but I don't know. I think henceforth October 1st should be listen to your favorite retail blog or read your favorite retail blog day uh, sure. as kids are walking in the background <laughs> of our podcast right now. All right. Anyway, let's get to the top news. No more delay. This week's podcast is sponsored by Fast Sensor. Fast Sensor is the first AI-powered business intelligence platform that provides business owners with ROI-focused optimization tools tailored to fit your organization. With Fast Sensor, you can successfully monitor efficiency and journeys across your organization from customer flow to queue management to the effectiveness of digital signage and promotions. Visit fastcenter.com to learn more. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. Now, when I said that this was a tough week to pick the headlines, here's why. The following stories did not make our top five list. Prime Day is officially happening on October 13th and 14th. And not right. surprisingly, 
Walmart, Target are also following suit. Poshmark says it's now going public. Walmart and Levi's both have unveiled new store designs. I don't think there's much to it, but they did it. And that is crazy. Lots and lots of stuff. What do you guys think? Any quick thoughts on that and the craziness there before we get to the real headlines to whet your appetites? I'm really interested in what's going to happen around Prime Day. I mean, you there was the e-marketer article that came out today that was a good summary of that, Chris. Uh, I think you're quoted in that. But, um, but just what happens around it, what happens with Walmart and Target and all these other retailers who are also doing Prime Day um, sales, like, I think it's smart because I think you still, you're going to catch people in the last like wave of spending before belts start to tighten. So I'm wondering if it's going to be, you know, year over year, what it's going to look like. I don't know about you guys though. Yeah. The numbers for that are pretty staggering. Like if you read that e-marketer report, I put it on social media for those that follow us, but they're predicting that it's going to be a $10 billion day worldwide. And I think it's $6 billion in the U S if I'm not mistaken. And it, Amazon at the end of the event could have as many as 142 million U.S. Prime members, which is insane when you think about that. I think that's over half the population now of the U.S. Um, for perspective, Cyber Monday, all of 2019 was just $10 billion. So we're talking serious volume that's getting pushed forward into, into uh, October. Uh, you know, almost two months before what we're talking about with Cyber Monday. So, you know, the, imp- the implications, the effects of this are going to be pretty wild. I imagine it will uh, start coming up uh, as well in some of the stories we talked about today, too. But Emma, I'm curious, what's your take on this Levi store? Um, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen there? I think that it's actually pretty exciting. And Something really important that I think they're doing is actually doing like different stock in the store based on the local data. Because at the Mall of America store, we had like two or three styles that were really, really popular, but Levi's never really sent us the right sizes and kind of, they've just had a very generic kind of every store gets the same stock. I think that it'll be really helpful for them to start using that local data. And then if they can master like contactless returns and pickups, I think that's huge because right now it's a chore to do that from Levi's. And, but looking through the stores, I think it's something that needs to happen. You know, they need to make it more exciting. It needs to be more than just about the pants. Like it needs to be a full customer experience. And it looks like they're really going for that. Yeah. And what do you think of these, these new store designs from Walmart and, and, and Levi's before we get to the main headlines? Well, I think the Levi's point that Emma brings up is really uh, is something we're going to be seeing a lot more of, I guess, as we start to see who is having physical locations and spaces and how those physical locations are truly a reflection of the local community around them, not just the, the you know, here's what the standard run is. Each Levi's store gets 10 of this size and this style and 10 of this size and this style. Um I think yesterday we had a conversation with 1010 Data, and I also did a podcast with some fashion industry experts who are saying the same thing. Like, if there's going to be a future for retail, it's really going to be around these specialized stores and really tapping into expertise um, as a localized retailer. And so I think what Levi's is doing is smart. Um, Walmart, I mean, I think that's kind of coming from what just what we've expected, we've grown to expect from them is focusing 100% on convenience and rolling it up into that Walmart Plus platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the Walmart one, I'm not, I'm super skeptical on that one. I, there's, first of all, they usually kind of, 
tease things to me. And this one, I didn't really see a whole heck of a lot. So I don't think there's much here besides just typical, like let's make the store look a little bit better and put in some new signage. The Levi's one, I'm not with you guys on that. Like I, I, sh- I people talk about that since the cows come home about localizing the assortment. I can remember talking about that for the last 20 years across retail, almost every retail I've ever been. It still doesn't answer the why, like, why am I going to that physical store to shop? Sure. The products might be better and more tailored for me, but why am I actually going into the place? That's a different answer. That's a different answer that we're all searching for. The parts about returns and things like that, I think makes sense. Emma. But like the proofs in the pudding in terms of like how that all, that entire user experience and design comes about in terms of the functionality of how everything is coordinated together. But Levi's has always had a good you know sense of how to handle that. I think as as things have been going on, so it'll be cool to see when that actually you know starts to come into play. All right, well let's get to the main headlines today. So to give you a little bit of a tease, we got. Um, another story from Walmart, some big statistics coming out of Walmart plus story from Alibaba overseas in China, more news on Instacart Kroger and what they continue to do in the fulfillment space. And then finally, Amazon introducing an entirely new way for us all to shop. And I cannot wait to hear what Anne has to think about that one. But Anne, would you start us off? Okay, guys, according to a research report by people say 11% of Americans already have Walmart Plus. So people say, uh, surveyed around 20,000 people in the last couple of weeks, um, and they found some other interesting stats in here. Apparently, 53% of those people have heard of Walmart Plus, which I guess is a good sign. But more remarkably, 36% of people said that Walmart Plus was their very first shopping subscription. And 19% said that they ditched Prime for that Walmart Plus subscription. So I'm curious what you guys think. Is this like crazy news? What What's going on in your heads? Yeah, and 45, I think the, the other crazy thing is like 45% of those surveyed to 20,000 people. So almost 10,000 of those surveyed right. both now. Yes. And so they're just extrapolating these numbers nationally, I think. But right. I think these numbers are crazy. Emma, you go first though. What do you think? I definitely think when I was reading these stats, I was like, wow, I never would have thought that of those surveyed that almost 50% of people have both that prime and Walmart plus. And then the most like startling stat to me is that almost 20% of these people just ditched prime. I think that's huge. Yeah. What, why do you think that, what do you think that is? Why do you, why, why do you think they did that? I mean, that is, that was kind of a startling number amongst the surveyed population. I'm not really sure. I mean, I know that I think like I struggle to understand it just because of the generational thing. I can't imagine giving up my Amazon Prime and I don't really use Walmart, but maybe just because people have been so familiar with Walmart for so long, they just finally said, okay, someone I know and I trust is here disrupting Amazon and I can mm-hmm. just switch over because they offer everything that Amazon Prime once did to me. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We'll probably talk about this more later. I mean, I think it's interesting. I think I think you are seeing maybe some elements of why physical stores still matter in the conversation, right? Like even in the even in the most digitally advanced places, there's still, you know, six, 50 to 60% of sales. You look at the data too. The other things that they point out is that people liked the scan and go features of, you know, what's available in Walmart Plus. But the other thing too is they said that, I want to make sure I get this right, but they said something to the to the effect of, you know, 10% of the population thought the feature of, or one of the most beneficial things about the, uh, the subscription for Walmart plus was actually that you can do a single checkout, uh, for, you know, with Walmart across everything that it does, which when you start to look at that with Amazon, I've always thought that too. I agree. And Anne, I'm curious what you think, because I think that's really confusing. Like what Amazon thing am I using for what? Yeah, I, 
I'm going to, I'm going to call a little bit of this survey into question you guys, because one of the things that they don't call out in the survey that Walmart did when they announced Walmart plus is according to tech radar, Walmart uh, converted their unlimited grocery program to Walmart plus. So they don't mention any of that in the survey. So I think the 11% number, while not, I'm not Mm. discounting it. I'm just saying that like the first two weeks could be because they moved all of those people over. Mm. And that's not to say that they aren't moving over for the reasons that you guys all addressed. I agree. I think there's definitely still benefits to come from the program and leveraging the stores as networks, especially as they start to explore partnerships with TikTok still um, and the potential for a content stream there, Um, health hubs, Sam's Club Mm. memberships, like you were talking about, Chris. I think there's still a lot of advantages to this this Walmart Plus program, but I think that some of the data coming out on this early, I'm I'm questioning a little bit. Yeah, kind of. You're right. I never thought about that. It doesn't talk about that explicit importance. Somebody could clear that up. That's great. But yeah, it does smell a little bit of like kind of you know how Target you know definitely claims some benefits around their new whatever Target perks membership or whatever it's called. But but back to that point though, in terms of because I'm curious what your guys' take is. What am I wrong in thinking about this this way? But like, I do find that there's a lot of friction in how I need to order things from Amazon, which is surprising. And I'd never thought about that before. I mean, I think that, you know, there's definitely still some confusion. There's still a sub nav and separate checkouts within Amazon, depending on where you're going. If you're going to prime, uh, if you're going to pantry, if you're going to Whole Foods, like that's still a disparate experience. Whereas Walmart is working to really consolidate into go to the Walmart app. You can shop, you know, walmart.com. You can shop your, like fresh grocery and pick up. Like you have all the options right there on the home screen, right? When you hit the Walmart app. So yeah, they're, they're figuring out a way to make this a better experience for sure. The other thing out of this survey too, Emma, they said that, you know, this was liked decidedly more, you know, by Gen Zers than say like anonized Gen X population too. Like where, what are you thinking in that regard? How much of this is a generational effect potentially and how much we'd be paying attention to that? For like Gen Zers liking Walmart more? Yeah. Or Or finding this plus program, you know, interesting and, and captivating to some degree. Interesting. I would have never thought of that, but I can also see like people my age wanting to try something different. You know, we've heard about Walmart our whole lives and probably had parents who shopped there either a lot or once in a while. So I think that, I mean, Gen Z is really always looking for something new and innovative. And if you can take down like the big man of Amazon, good for you. I still am very loyal to Amazon just because I know it so well. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I think particularly they like some of the scan and go features too. I, it's a good segue though, because the second story I think is also really interesting. And the second story has to do with Alibaba. So Fresh Hippo, the grocery retail chain uh, that's out of, you know, of course, the Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba, this week opened its first membership store in Shanghai on Thursday. And the store is called X. A lot of cool names this week. And X is meant to challenge the American membership only warehouse chains, Costco, and of course, Walmart, Sam's Club, also in Shanghai. Now, here's how it works. Goods can be delivered within a half day to customers living within a 20-kilometer radius. And for perspective, there are currently 250 Uma grocery stores from Alibaba. And we've talked about that a lot on this show. And in those stores, keep in mind, 60% of all gross merchandise value generated in those stores over the last quarter started online. 
but now they're moving it into a warehouse and a membership club format that already has 500,000 members. I think this is fascinating. We've talked about Walmart Plus. We've talked about the connections with Sam's Club. You have the most digitally forward retailer probably in the world, even more so than Amazon, now going into a physical warehouse club experience in a way they haven't before. And what do you think this signals? Well, this is to me like the uh, Chinese version of Walmart Plus. Like they are just doing the same format. If, if you have a good product and they do, and you can combine it with a lot of the other services that are already under your umbrella, LMA's 30-minute delivery, um, all of the other Alibaba offerings. I mean, you are just creating this ecosystem that is worth the investment in a subscription program. And that is good for the customer and it's good for the retailer. Ongoing revenue for the retailer and ongoing benefits and perks for the customers. Like it's it's just making sense. Now, I think that the question remains, and we'll get into this in the next question too, is where where is is your go-to? What subscriptions are you going to maintain? And who of all those subscription providers is going to provide you the best value for your money? And where where is that basket going to go? And I think that's still up in the air, you know, for for the, the entire retail industry right now. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're hitting on a really good point too. Like subscriptions go with loyalty, right? These membership programs go with loyalty. They're interesting because they're different than traditional loyalty programs where you're paying into them. But if they go with loyalty, that means more purchases. What goes with more purchases? Bulk buying. And there's some other angles too. But Emma, like, what do you think here? I was surprised that this kind of like membership only store, it wasn't really a big thing in China. Like reading this, I was like, they don't already have this going on. But I think this is definitely going to, I think based on what I've been taught about consumer behavior in China, like loyalty is so important. So I really think this is going to be incredibly successful for them. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, like the number of Costco's and and uh, and Sam's Clubs are still relatively small. I think in you know yep. in, the, uh, in the low you know numbers there too. So that's a great point. The other thing that I think that's fascinating about this too, the other thing that's happening in China. So if you start to again, put your crystal ball out there, there's a lot of things going on around group buying, right, through the digital platforms, right, with Pinduoduo and stuff like that. And so I start to think about Walmart Plus and you, how these things start to migrate over here. You see kind of Alibaba coming reverse side going with the warehouse club experience as cross this platform. Well, Walmart's already got that stood up. Where do they take it next? How do they take some of the other inspiration that they've been taking from China all the time too? And how do you start thinking about group buying, especially among this pandemic where like things are getting tight? Why don't we start pulling those resources? And especially when you start talking about Walmart's demographic to make that a better experience and a more valuable experience for people too. Like, is that the next wave? There, the more you look at this each and every week, as we have been doing, there are so many offshoots of this for Walmart, especially in relation to the competition. It's pretty crazy. So I don't know, kudos to, to Doug McMillan on, on this one. Again, there's, there's still a lot of, of road uh, to go here. All right, there's, Emma. Oh, Ann. I was just going to say, there's clearly a demand also, because I don't know if you guys saw this in the story, but they opened the first Costco in China last August in Shanghai, and they had to shut it down in one day because people were so excited about it. Yeah, like, they were thrilled, right? There is, this is the place to go. So sorry. Go ahead, Emma. Fill us in on story number three. All right. Story number three. Both Sephora and Bed Bath & Beyond have partnered with Instacart for same-day delivery. So in order, or the most important point that we found with this is that in order to actually order these products, you have to go through Instacart first. You can't go to Sephora's website or Bed Bath & Beyond's website in order to get these products. 
but for Sephora, they are currently offering this in select stores in California and Canada, but they're working on expanding to over 400 locations throughout North America in the coming weeks. And then I wasn't able to really find location details on Bed Bath & Beyond, but it says that you can get same-day delivery on products such as your home goods, baby, or holiday essentials. Yeah, this, uh, that, that another case of Instacart, I think, jumping into the fray here again with two retailers that they traditionally haven't, you know, you know, been aligned with. I mean, traditionally, their you know their stance has been grocery. Now you're getting into you know uh, cosmetics and and now home furnishings as well. I mean, basically, and I mean, they've got everything under their stable now. I mean, essentially, they're delivering an entire Target or a Walmart to the entire country. Exactly. Like, like where does this go next? Okay, so. The thing that I think we're not talking about yet, and Carl kind of touched on it back when we had him on the show right. a couple of weeks ago, Carl, Carl Boutet, saying it's not Instacart, but Instamart. Mm. Well, I'm going to push that even a little bit further and say, what about Insta Marketplace? Because we start to look at digital marketplaces and this is not, this is no longer just the grocery and the convenience store play, even when they brought 7-Eleven on. Like now you're starting to get into actual stores selling their goods on the Instacart platform first. So I'm going to Instacart. And again, like we were just talking about in the last story, it's starting to think about who these virtual marketplaces are, who is going to be able to get you access to the products, either shipping them to your house, finding and having people on the ground that can bring those products to you within 30 minutes or less. Um, And you are paying one subscription fee to that person. And who are those people going to be? And Instacart has a unique opportunity here because for some reason, all of these retailers are still are working with them from Walmart to Bed Bath & Beyond to Sephora to 7-Eleven. And they just keep collecting all of this information and have all these relationships. And I, I'm not quite sure why, if it's just, you know, they need in a pandemic to have the speed to get to these customers and Instacart's the easiest plug-in to just solve that problem right now for this immediate need. Um, but I think that it's going to be, I think Instacart for me now is one of the contenders that we were talking about last week with marketplaces. Like, will they become a marketplace now themselves? But curious what you guys think. Yeah. I mean, as I was thinking about this last night, I mean, this feels very eerily reminiscent to like how I was thinking about things back in like 2000, 2003, 2004, as Amazon was coming up and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't able to see it back then, but now you start to see the patterns a little bit differently where you're right. Like this just seems like really short-sighted decisions, similar to like selling on Amazon's platform back in the day. Like even as you just described it, like all of these retailers do their own picking from their own warehouses. Essentially, you're just saying my stores are going to be warehouses. Why are you letting other people come in and do that picking? Like that can't be efficient for you. Like, sure, let them do the delivery. That's a, that's a white label service. Who gives a crap in a lot of ways? And you can make the argument that picking is too. But like, but you don't do that. No one's ever done that. So why are we having this happen? And then the outgrowth is like you said, yeah, it's a marketplace. They've got all the data to build their own stores. And then at the end of the day, back to the other two stories, like how many apps do you actually need? And how many things are people going to subscribe to? And that's all going to congeal and consolidate. And if Instacart's giving you access to all this, you're right, Anne. Like you're just going to go there to shop for whatever it is you want, you know, and, or they're going to be the drug in the arm of all these companies that are keeping them afloat until they figure out the way around it. I mean, that's why we've aligned ourselves with, you know, companies like a takeoff. They're trying to find the answer to this solution. But what am I missing? 
Well, I think the other part, Chris, is where are the customers? Like we talked about this, we talk about this all the time with social networks. Like Facebook is what it is because people are there. And so I think that when you're a retailer in this situation, like Instacart already has so many subscribers. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but like they have, you know, thousands and thousands of people who are already using the service who now just, you know, when they go there to order their groceries, see that they can order from Sephora or Bed Bath & Beyond and get that all done in one space with the same subscription rate. I mean, the other thing that I was thinking about like this is like it it's almost I'm wondering if it's if it's similar to Amazon Web Services, like you were talking about, where like you have a ton of retailers on that platform too, which I still don't don't necessarily understand if you know if if it's just a pure convenience play and like do they have the ability to do this on their own? You know, like you mentioned the picking in the store, like yeah, they could do it on their own, but this service is coming in and making it so simple that I don't know if if they just have to figure out where they're gonna where they're gonna allocate resources. I don't know. Yeah, and I thought about that too. Like I thought about that. How much of this too is related to the pandemic and people just like are scared, you know, shitless, so to speak. And it's like, let me figure out an answer versus right. like, what are the better answers? Like, why don't you get like the the back the backbone of the supply chain of the future in place and really start to figure out how to do curbside pickup and buy online pickup in store. And how do you, you know, hasten the pace of your delivery from your actual current warehouses or where do you need those warehouses to be, you know, and then figure out how to do this. Like, I don't like, especially for Bed Bath & Beyond, I was thinking about it. Like, you know, is, is same day or next day delivery of my towels really that important to the average consumer? I can't, I don't, I really don't think it is. So why would you give Instacart visibility into that? It doesn't make sense to me. But I don't think it's the same day, Chris. I think it's the, I've already paid for the subscription. The same reason you get Prime. It's not about the, the delivery time But that makes it even it's- more strategically insane, right? That that's You're talking about the benefit from the consumer. Why would I do that as Bed Bath & Beyond? I don't, I just, I can't understand. Am I, what am I missing there? I mean, I think it's the, the difference of selling the towels and getting them from Bed Bath & Beyond versus getting the towels from, you know, Target's app or Walmart's app or wherever else you're getting towels. I don't know. I think... It's it's oh, like you're trying to. I see what you're saying. You're trying to hitch your wagon you're just to trying the Instacart to, train. You're just and all trying the to get some having. sales, bro. You're just trying to sell. Those wow, towels. that's an interesting interesting canary in the coal mine too. When you start thinking about that, although they just had a good earnings release that defied expectations, but hey, it's all been a quarter and everything's weird right now. So we'll see what this means for the long term. Huh? That was that's a good that's an interesting discussion. Fascinating stuff. Like if anyone has any more thoughts on that, let us know. All right, and another story along those lines, Kroger. Okay, you guys. So Kroger is thinking even smaller. They have announced their newest, smallest Ocado facility that's being built just outside of Detroit. Uh, This Ocado Fulfillment Center is 135,000 square feet, um, which comparatively, like the other uh, fulfillment centers that they've discussed uh, building are around 350,000 square feet. So quite a bit smaller. And it will be built next to an existing Kroger distribution center. Um, it will be fully outfit with digital and robotic capabilities and will be used to serve customers in Michigan, Northern Ohio, and Indiana. For me, guys, the big takeaway from this is that size matters. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> because Ocado, uh, it, famous for starting in the UK, they were able to run successful operations in the UK. And while they did this partnership with Kroger, I think what we're finding, since they haven't actually opened any of these facilities yet, they said that they're supposed to have 20, 20 facilities announced within the next year, but none of them have actually opened yet. I'm curious if they started building the 350,000 square foot 
warehouses. And now they're thinking, okay, things might be a little different here stateside. We maybe don't need the giant warehouses. Maybe we need to figure out smaller nano kind of fulfillment centers. Like how do we get this into the smallest space as possible um, to really serve the United States market differently than we are in either Canada, which they're also in Toronto or in the UK. But curious what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think this one's, a, and I think it is your time, we'll cover this one quickly. I mean, I think, I think this one's a tell, you're right. I mean, they're, they're taking their size of their footprint down pretty significantly. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about it forever, and, and we just talked about it in the last story. Like, the key is you've got to get more local as quickly as possible, and you've got to do it so you can pick and pack efficiently. So, yeah, they want to make their centralized warehouses more efficient. That's great. But the other part of this story is, like, it takes 18 months even to build this warehouse. Think about that. 18 months. Do you know what the future of retail looks like in 18 months? Chances are you have no idea. So I don't know why anyone would take this approach. I still don't understand it. I think the other approaches are better. You can experiment your way into it. I would say the same thing to Bed Bath & Beyond. Like, and I think they're thinking about that, like turning stores dark and figuring out how they fulfill out of them. Probably doing that. I should have said that. Probably doing that in tandem with some of their Instacart experimentation too. But that's ultimately the answer we're talking about here. All right, let's finish up with this. I think this one's going to be a little, this one will be fun. Amazon this week unveiled a new way to pay for your pay, excuse me, with your hand, just your hand in its stores. On Tuesday, Amazon launched a new palm scanning device called Amazon One. So many thoughts on that name. They connect shoppers' palms to their credit cards to let them pay without waiting in line. It'll start by launching in two cashierless Amazon Go stores in Seattle. But I thought this was interesting. Amazon hopes to introduce the technology in other Amazon stores and to sell it to third parties like other retailers, offices, and stadiums, which also, by the way, means they need to probably have their Amazon Go technology installed too, uh, or at least are hoping that's the case. Oh, man, and you're the king of the tinfoil hats. Emma, the intern, you're our resident uh, Gen Zer. Are you paying for are you paying for things with your hands? I would and definitely pay for my hands if I you could. You would pay with your hands? Why? Yeah, why not? I don't have to I don't think I have to touch anything. I didn't quite see the pictures kind of made it seem like you don't have to actually like press your hand on anything. It just scans from like a few inches away. And if you right. can do that, like I'm here for that. Just yep, bought it, you know. You're all in. You're just going to walk around like the queen of England and say, I'll take this. Yeah. I'll take that. You don't have to yep. turn the brightness up on your palm. So, I mean, I guess there's that. You can just hold your palm right over there and it will scan it, right? My, my, uh, my favorite quote was from Amazon on this that, you know, they, they considered that the palm scan was more private than other biometric alternatives like eye scanning technology or facial recognition. So, you know, you can't determine a person's identity by looking at an image of their palm they said, which is a joke because it's tied to their credit card and you have all their personal information. So why not just go with the face scan and make it easier? I mean, let's just get to the point where you can either scan your phone or you can go in the face scanner. You go in the face scanner if you want. You go in the, with the phone line. With, I mean, yeah, this is crazy. I Would I use it? I don't know. Probably. Depends. Depends on how many gloves I have on that day. Yeah, right. It's hard in Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, I was first really skeptical of this. I was kind of like where your head was too, and where I was like, ah, oh, it's just, you know, facial recognition, two sides of the same coin of facial recognition. But it does stay keep you away from facial recognition overtly too, which I think is important as you start looking at cam- computer vision technology inside a store and who's shopping and all that kind of stuff. 
you know, and Amazon has been very resolute to say they're not using that in terms of how their technology is working. So, so this, you know, this is consistent with that. And I, and I got to think about it too, it's like, yeah, you know what, if I can enter a store that way, I already use my thumbprint to get on a phone. Like if this capability is there, I'm totally doing this. I'm totally doing this. Like there's nothing wrong with it. That's nothing going to keep me from doing it. And they have the built-in lab already, Amazon Go. Like if people want to walk into that store and, and try this out, like they're going to see how many people just start doing that this way. And, and they that- already have all the information on us anyway. They just announced like yeah. five devices <laughs> this week that are like going to fly around our houses scanning us while we're sleeping and, you know, the halo. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. No, I mean, like, honestly, like, just nah. take it. Take, take, scan it all, Amazon. Scan it all. You- I would totally, yeah, I would totally do this. And the new words coming out of some of the reviews from like Amazon's grocery store in Woodland Hills with the dash card or people are liking that experience and like, you start adding this into like how you could shop Whole Foods and grocery. Again, it's just one of those things. Like, last question for you, Ann. Like, if you had kids in tow and you could pay this way, you don't have to fumble through the purse or do whatever, even to get your phone. Same with me, get the phone out of my pocket. Like, yeah, I might choose to shop there. I mean, I was choosing over Apple Pay. Yeah. I you always, you always have your palm on you. You don't have to dig out the palm, oh. hopefully. <laughs> Maybe not for everyone, but yes, you know, you know, I, I think, yeah. How does it work in that situation? I think that's probably a question and no doubt they figured out some solve for that, but all right. So net, net, the three of us, Emma, I, I can see with your palm, you're palming. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And you're palming. Yeah, I guess. Okay. All right. All right. Gives a new definition to the five finger discount. All right. Oh that wraps God, us up. Awful. <laughs> Happy birthday today to Brie Larson, the great Julie Andrews, and oh, the so underappreciated Zach Galifianakis, and of course, Aww. our very own Emma the Intern. Remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news, and our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day, and also features special content exclusive to us, and also just for you and all within the preview pane of your inbox. Sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, be careful out there.